Prepare to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Good evening, and welcome back to An Adventure in History. I'm Alana Quila with Providence Seaside Hospital, here this evening with Mac Burns, Executive Director of the Clatsop County Historical Society, and tonight we have a very special guest. Specialist? Yeah, I thought maybe you'd like say spicy or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good one. Spicy. <laughs> I mean, does anybody, is that, is that an adjective you use on anybody? No, it's not, and like, I would never use it to describe this person. No? No. <laughs> but you just did, so there we go. Thank you. <laughs> We're just trying to come up with catch, bad catchphrases. I don't know. So. Yes, so that one didn't work so much. It did not work. But he is the spice of someone's life. <gasps> Ooh, there you go. I, I know am. her I know her very well, so I'll, I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> well, see, before you got here, I was learning all about you. You have a, a family connection here. We do. Yeah. Yes. Long time. Yes. Very long friends. Time. Yeah. Childhood friends. Yep. Mark <laughs> and this guest, yes, grew up together and yeah, raised kids together, girls. All girls. All and girls. one boy. All girls. One boy came in there. Something in the Wharton water. I no. <laughs> all girls. That's funny. It's been a good adventure. And we're gonna talk about that. There's your deep tease. Deep tease. Yes, because we haven't introduced so. them or should I just got well because well, you have been introducing before we do the history oh, highlights. Yeah, so tonight we have Dennis Thomas here, local Warrenton boy, resident. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here. Family. Thank you very much. A couple so, generations. So, so We're going to talk about all those generations. And we also just found out it's it's like an old like 1970s Merv Griffin show or something. <laughs> Leonard Hansen just walked in in the middle of this. He did. And we found out you're neighbors with Leonard. I am neighbors. So a frequent <laughs> guest here. So we can talk about, you can give us all kinds of secret stories about Leonard and about Mark. And this yeah. is going to be good. It's going to be juicy. Good. So yes. we should get right to it. Here Fantastic. we go. So these are the uh, history highlights, things that happen tomorrow that you can uh, appear really smart to your friends. Or uh, these are icebreakers, of course. So August 1st, 1498. Wow. You went back. I did. Columbus lands in South America. He sets foot on the American mainland for the first time at the Paria Peninsula in present-day Venezuela. And, uh, of course, he thought he was on an island. Because, <laughs> I mean, we like Columbus because he, he made it across the ocean. But, you know, Leif Erikson did it a lot sooner. <laughs> but... Uh, um, he didn't really know where he was, and, and this was another occasion where he didn't really know what he was looking at. So he thought he was on an island and christened it uh, Isla Santa. Okay. All right, uh, 1774. The English chemist Joseph Priestley discovers oxygen by isolating it in a uh, gaseous state. Apparently, we what were we breathing before then? We didn't know <laughs> right. that oxygen exists. I kid the chemists. Uh, 1876. Colorado becomes the 38th state. Welcome. Well, welcome to the party, Colorado. I like yeah. Colorado. Yes, beautiful. I don't know that I want to live there, but I like it. Sure. Big mountains. Mm-hmm. No, no ocean. No ocean. No yeah. ocean. No <laughs> ocean. Sad. Uh, 1936. Hitler oversees the Berlin Olympics opening ceremony. Mm. Didn't go the way he thought it was going to go. No. <laughs> Big day for Jesse Owens. It is. And, and in his face, because, you know, he uh, thought that others could not compete with Germans. Mm. So that's why it didn't go so well for him. In the long run, glad. either. In, in the long <laughs> run, either. We're glad. Uh, 1941, the first Jeep is produced. 
Mm, fun. I wonder what the army was driving around in before then. I didn't do any research. I should have. Horses. Horses. <laughs> you think they went from horses to Jeep. I like that. 1940, they're still riding horses. <laughs> I'm going to have to do some research because I don't think you're correct on that. But uh, um, Jeeps. I like Jeeps. Yes. I've no. never owned one, though. No? Although technically, I guess, well, the historical society owns the Goonies Jeep. Oh, so. yes. The replica, yep. And that was my dream car as a kid. It always seemed and now, fun. And now when I've driven it, I'm like, oh, not so much. It just looks like rollover hazard to me. It I mean, kinda, it's just built like it's made to roll. It kind of does. 1943, PT-109 sinks. Lieutenant Kennedy is uh, instrumental in saving the crew. You've heard my riff on this. Yes, so I, I will have. Not, I will not revisit <laughs> it. Um, although we had a, a, a Navy person here that kind of corrected me a little bit on my riff once before. Oh, I don't remember that. It's always good to correct Mac. Yeah, kind of. It was fun. Okay, <laughs> but, so we could re- revisit that. But I have strong feelings about this. Um, 1944, Anne Frank writes her last entry in her diary. Mm-hmm. Wow, well, that's that sad. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, my kid has one of these Oculus things, the 3D, and one of the freebies. They let you like walk through the Anne Frank house. Hmm. It's really kind of crazy cool. Yeah. Anyway, off the target. Yes. Uh, 1966, also not a good one. Charles Whitman goes on a shooting spree at the University of Texas. From uh, top the 300-foot uh, observatory platform. Lots of death in that, right? Back when it was shocking. Yes. Yeah. Back I, when this didn't that happen. That did shock me when I read that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 1981, though. MTV launches. Oh, my gosh. I want my MTV. That's, That's a fun one. You two are probably too young to... <laughs> oh, like, not at all. No. I was <laughs> no. 11. When MTV actually had music on it. <laughs> oh, exactly. I remember Carson <laughs> yeah. Daly, like the original Carson Daly before he was on the Today Show. Okay, but see, I mean, Car- kind of like... Car- Carson Daly wasn't one of the originals. <laughs> no, but he was very popular. <laughs> so that just shows how different there, is our age there right there. <laughs> It'll always be uh, Alan Hunter and J.J. Uh, Jackson. Jackson. Nina Blackwood. <laughs> Nina Blackwood, uh, Martha Quinn, and who's the other one? Did we say Mark Alan Goodman. Hunt? Mark oh, Goodman. Mark Goodman. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Those are the five. Those are yours. Okay. I didn't think I, didn't think I might be quizzed today. Sam, the Carson Daly era. Yeah. Ten years later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 1988, Rush Limbaugh begins his national radio show. 1996, George R.R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones oh. uh, debuts the books. Right. Now, I <laughs> don't know. Because they usually come first. <laughs> they usually do. Usually. Now, I've never quizzed you. Are you a, a Game of Thrones fan? I'm not. And are you? No. See, me neither. Yeah. My whole family has watched it, and they enjoyed it. I don't know if they've ever read it, but I, I just, neither neither the books nor the HBO really excites me to watch it. All right, but our history highlight of the day, I think, I think had the most uh, impact on history, 1914, World War I erupts. Hmm. The uh, four days yes. after Austria-Hungary declares war on Serbia, Germany and Russia declare war against each other. France orders a general mobilization, and the first German army units cross into Luxembourg, those troublemakers, Luxembourg, to, in uh, preparation for the German invasion of France. Yeah. It all starts tumbling down. It does. You guys are unhappy with you guys, so I got to jump in now and back my guy up, and all of a sudden we got a world war going. Yep, wasn't good. You missed a couple. I did. 1964, Arthur Ashe becomes the first African-American to play on the U.S. Davis Cup tennis team. Ooh, good for him. Yep. Uh, in 1960, singer Chubby Checker releases <sighs> The Twist, creating a new dance craze. It's 1960. Now, the song was released a year earlier, but mm. didn't get any attention. It was released by... Hank Ballard and the Midnighters. Oh, but see, they just didn't do it as well. Uh, right. 
Or maybe they how, didn't have the... How did I miss that? I, I know that was a fun one. And then one more, 1957, U.S. and Canada create um, the North American Air Defense Command, NORAD. NORAD. And I bring that up because when I lived in Panama City, one of the stations for NORAD is in Panama City. It's at Tyndall huh. Air Force Base, so kind of cool. So I got to mm-hmm. visit outside of NORAD. We were never allowed inside, but I interviewed it's, quite a few people who worked for NORAD. Um, I, I was going to say, as a journalist, you didn't talk your way in? Like, you got to interview somebody in their office or something? No, never. But, I I mean, we were allowed on the base. I mean, that's still kind of a big deal Mm because it's a a huge uh, Air Force base. But no, no, no indoor interviews. Is it NORAD that tracks Santa's sled? It is. You're right. So, yeah. So they could shoot him down with a missile? (laughs) (laughs) Of course not, not. Mac. (laughs) Maybe that's why he hasn't been to the football house a couple of the last few years. Oh my no. goodness, that's our okay, this show all, takes I, a turn. I just, yeah, I just made this all go south, and that wasn't good. So you tempted me. You yeah. tempted me by that little tidbit. Yeah. <laughs> but Chubby Checker, how did I miss Chubby Checker? I that's know, that one's a fun one. So, so, the twist. The twist. Yeah. So speaking of the twist, Dennis, you're a good dancer. Uh, I've been known to, actually, your husband was best dancer our senior year. Yes. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> with, uh, yes, with his cousin, I like to point out. <laughs> See, it's, <laughs> because it's, it's that small of a town. It's questions like that and comments like that, but I'm glad that uh, TikTok was not around when I was younger. <laughs> oh, goodness. Can you think of yep. all the nightmares that would be out there? The best dancer. I know. Well, I, maybe they could recreate it <laughs> on TikTok. Maybe. <laughs> maybe one of your girls could help them. <laughs> Certainly your wife could. She could do a better job. She's a fantastic Yes. So, um, but let's talk about you. So you are, so how many generations of your family uh, grew up here? So um, my grandfather actually ended up uh, getting stationed here uh, out at Fort Stevens during uh, World War II. And uh, prior to that, he was in Hawaii, met my grandmother, and then uh, came here in 1938. Wow. Um, So, you know, we've got some roots here. Stationed no here and then stayed so, so, uh, here. Yeah, I, I got to jump the gun though because so were they here? Was he here when it got shelled by oh, the true. the submarine? I believe he was. Any yes. good stories from him on that? Nothing. Uh, nothing about the shelling. Okay. No. So I think for most guys here, it was kind of like a non-thing. They're like, okay, we turned the lights off, we didn't reply, and eighteen right. shells, and we saw the pits yeah. the next day. But and did they know yeah. it as it was happening? I mean, is it kind really of. obvious? Yeah. I mean, they, they knew they were being shelled and there were a lot of guys that were like in town okay. and were like supposed to go back and quickly try to get back. And, um, some of the guys wanted to return fire and the commander was like, no, we're out of range. So yeah. we just show them where we were. Let's not. And then it was kind of over. Oh, okay. And then the next day, a lot of news media and a lot of <laughs> coverage of guys standing around pits where, where the shells hit. Wow. <laughs> Okay, but but I sorry I had to when yes. you said Fort Stevens. I was like, oh oh my yeah, gosh, that might be kind of. So your grandpa, did they stay then, or did they, they leave? did stay? They stayed. Uh, they stayed and uh, had a uh, very large family. And my mother comes from a family of uh, I think it's fifteen siblings. Oh my goodness! So go forth and prosper. Yes. And what and what made them stay? Do you know? Like, did, I mean, what did he do after he got out of the military? Uh, he was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. And um, stayed here, and you know, it's not real easy to move, uh, <laughs> you know, a herd of children. So, 
they had a good life in, in Hammond and Wharton, and, uh, and I had the same. So, so Carpenter, we're going to come back to that. Mm-hmm. So that's your mom's side of the family. Yeah, mom's side. And then what, so she stayed as well. Did she leave? Yeah, she was born uh, here in Astoria, 1945. Uh, went to uh, Warrington Grade School, Warrington High School. And then when um, it was my dad's sophomore year in high school, he ended up moving up here from Pasadena, California. And um, his mother had a sister who was up here um, living uh, because of my great uncle, I guess it was, was stationed at Tongue Point. So another military influence. Huh. And so from there, um, I guess, you know, you come into the picture. Your, your parents get married, um, stay here, and um, tell us a little bit about you growing up here and having that many family members oh, in a small community. Here, uh, it was wonderful. And that's why I came back here in, I think, 2006. Um, grew up, uh, born and raised in Warrenton, Oregon. Um, as we previously mentioned, I went to kindergarten with your husband, Mark. <laughs> um, and uh, it was just a great place to grow up. Uh, my mom, uh, like uh, parents, dad was involved, uh, worked at the lumber mill. Uh, my mom worked in canneries. Um, you know, it was just a great place to grow up. And your uncle lived across the street from Mark. Yes. So you have lots of memories. So t- tell us about, like, what, what did you do? I mean, right there, you're on the river. That They lived on the Skippinon River um, in Warrington. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think about that uh, nowadays or even uh, years ago when, when my kids were young. And I remember being five, six years old, and, and we'd be playing on the river for hours without parental supervision. And we'd come <laughs> home for a snack or a bologna sandwich and a cup mm. of Kool-Aid and, and, and back out to the river. And what did you do at the river? I mean, were you swimming in it? Were you making boats? Were you inflating boats or tire <laughs> tubes? I mean, I mean, what's the relationship with the river? Oh, I think we were swimming and fishing and uh, mm-hmm. maybe shooting each other with BB guns and uh, hunting for things in the mud. That's, uh, uh, that was kind of fun, too. We'd find old milk bottles and old bricks from the old brick factory that used to be in Warrington. So y- you never knew what low tide might uncover. <laughs> And was the um, the cannery on the water was located at there then, right? You're talking about the old Quayla cannery? Or? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So did you guys go down? Because there was a dock. So it actually the original cannery, or it was just a fish processing plant then, I guess, was yes. on a dock on the water. So behind the home. So they could, because Mark has talked about walk, walking down there. And you also had a boat because you could use the boat to go out to the little islands. Yeah, I think they call that Frog Island, or it, dis- it did so back. Uh, yep, there's a book about back it. Back when my mother was young, there was the, a little swimming hole on that island. As a matter of fact, the hard-hitting journalist in me wants to ask: So why was it called Frog Island? That's a great question. <laughs> but were there frogs all over? I don't recall seeing frogs there. Oh, now now I really am serious. I don't about, remember why is it Frog Island? ever hearing frogs on the river either. I'll yeah. be darned. But it is still there. The island is still there. It is still there. Just a little teeny tiny island right off of See, this is the magical place that that I did not have in my youth. That you could be like all kinds of adventure were going out on that island. I'm so jealous of that. That yeah. you could swim across or you could boat oh, sure. across and you have this whole island with no parents and well, like did, a, were you part of the Crawdad selling crew too? 
No, I think that was primarily maybe your husband and his brother and cousins and, and, and my cousins. Okay, because yeah. they lived across the street right there. Yes. Mm. So what were um, some of the the classes that you remember or teachers or mm-hmm. what kind of, what, what were some key memories of school? Uh, I, I was always drawn to, to art and uh, creating things. Um, my father was artistic. Um, he, he liked to draw and paint uh, and woodwork. Um, and uh, I, I kind of got that passion from him. So that's what I was always drawn to in school. Uh, mm-hmm. Academically, I did not do well in class. Uh, <laughs> I did fantastic in woodshop and art. Mm-hmm. And that, um, that helped me out in future endeavors. And were there teachers that inspired you, or was it just your, your father that inspired that? Was uh, certainly that my father. I think uh, one of the teachers that sticks out in my mind is uh, Miss Denny Floyd. Um, she was an uh, art, art teacher um, in grade school, junior high, and uh, throughout my high school years. But it took you a little while to realize that this was not just a passion, but a career. So tell us how you how you got there, because it was... Sure. Well, that was not the direction you went. No, it wasn't. Uh, I, I remember, um, I was also kind of a bookworm. Books with pictures, <laughs> not necessarily <laughs> reading. And when I was young, I was drawn to... Um, Jacques Cousteau used to have a series of books at the Warrington Grade School. And so, you know, we'd go in for our library hour and I'd bury my face in a Jacques Cousteau book. So uh, I was also drawn to the sciences, uh, biology in particular. Um, And so uh, another teacher I think that kind of had a a good influence on me is Mr. Uh, Larry Ballman, who was also my parents' teacher uh, (laughs) in high school. And uh, when I was a senior in high school, he had told me about uh, Clatsop Community College and some local scholarships that they give. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know at the time that I wanted to go to school, um, but as I learned more that, uh, like your husband, Mark, was going to go off to Oregon State and some other friends of ours were going to go to school, I thought, well, why not check it out? Mm-hmm. So I actually uh, I graduated from Wharton in 1988 and then went off to Clatsop on a scholarship and uh, studied biology uh, my first year at Clatsop and then transferred down to Oregon State after that uh, to be with Mark Quayla and David Stengel (laughs) and a few of the other boys. And so from there, so biology, I didn't realize you went into biology. I started in biology and then when I got into some of the advanced chemistry and mathematics classes, (laughs) I quickly realized that this was not for me. Yes, as most do, yeah. right? Yes. <laughs> so um, I ended up switching majors to anthropology what? and uh, graduated with a degree in physical anthropology or archaeology. Interesting. Now, I had now, no idea. Now, during that, that education part of your life, did you go out on any digs or did you have any ha- hands-on experience? Did you get, get in the mud? You know, as I mentioned earlier, we used to dig along the skipping on here, mm-hmm. and of course there's uh, no shortage of history or old building sites uh, locally. Fort Stevens, you know, has got, of course, quite a bit of history and physical history there too, right? Things mm-hmm. that are in the ground and probably still in the ground. Um, one of the summers when I was at Oregon State, uh, we spent uh, about three months, I guess it was, down at Shampooey State Park. Hmm. That's an old French-Canadian fur trapper settlement. So we actually dug up a couple old houses there. Wow. Yeah. 
See, I've never done that. It sounds like it would be fun, but then I think the reality of being on my knees in the dirt in the hot sun oh. probably really wouldn't be as exciting as it sounds. Yeah. It, it's it's uh, certainly not glamorous. It's dusty and dirty, but uh, you know, when you uncover something that has a history to be told, it's it's pretty exciting. And did you find anything like still like I was the one that found that thing? <laughs> We found, or I found, a an old pocket knife uh, that had like some mother of pearl uh, casing to it, and mm. it was shaped like a woman's leg. So oh pretty, pretty scandalous back it then, is. I think. Wow. wow. <laughs> and have you ever been back just years later to check out the place? And I like, have. Hey, I had a hand in I have. In, in. Uh, there weren't any uh, active digs going on at that yeah. time, but uh, I was able to point out and tell my daughters, hey, yeah. I dug underneath that tree. <laughs> so I knew That's none neat. of this. So did this lead to a job? What happened next? What happened next is uh, it was my senior year at Oregon State, and um, my younger brother, cousin, and three of their classmates decided to join the Marine Corps. And uh, uh, my father was not very happy with that. My father was a former Marine Vietnam veteran, uh, unfortunately, like uh, many folks, he came back with uh, some demons, uh, PTSD as we know mm-hmm. it today. Uh, and then in addition to that, before he married my mother, my mother was engaged uh, to a, a Marine who was unfortunately killed in Vietnam. Wow. Um, so when they started having children, they both made a sound decision that none of their children would join the military. Oh, no. So my younger brother, back to uh, my younger brother James, he was um, a freshman in college and then got together with a group of friends and they decided to join the Marine Corps. And uh, it actually uh, started some healing for my father. So um, I was at college, sitting on the couch, doing what college kids do, (laughs) and thought, you know what, maybe I should do something different here. And so when I graduated from college, I ended up uh, uh, joining the Marine Corps as well. Yeah. Interesting. So, so quite your, a change. your parents' plan didn't go as planned. <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> but it was they've, okay. They've come to peace with this, I assume. They have, absolutely. <laughs> yes. So what happens after the Marines? So after the Marine Corps, uh, I got out of the Marine Corps in 1999. And um, my wife and I at the time, we had uh, four little girls. Moved back to Portland and... Um, I got into manufacturing management, worked for a few different companies in Portland, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just trying to make ends meet, raise a family, and provide for the home, and, you know, those kind of things. And, uh, but I always had a desire to get back to the beach. It has a way of pulling you back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, we moved back here in 2006, and uh, best decision I've ever made. I love it. And he does have, like... The most adorable, sweetest, beautiful, smart, young women now. They're all, I mean, I can't believe how old all of them are. Um, but his daughters are, are amazing. And you did have uh, two of your daughters also uh, enlist in the military. They did. They said, Dad, we want to Guess join the what? Marine Corps. And I said, uh, how about the Coast Guard or the Air Force? And so they both went into the Air Force. Oh, good. Okay. Which, is, uh, which was wonderful for them. Yeah. Nice. Speaking of Colorado, at least for the Air Force Academy. Yeah. But anyway, um, so what, so how do you make that move though from Portland to here? What uh, what are you going to do when you show up here in 2006? Well, I moved down here. I was working for uh, Milgard Windows, believe it or not, uh, doing some uh, 
supervisory things there. And through that um, connection, I met with um, the current owner of DK Windows, uh, who still operates here in Astoria. Um, and he offered me a job. So I moved down here and uh, worked for DK Windows for about a year. Mm -hmm. and, then, uh, and then I decided to become a cop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I joined the Oregon State Police. He's, wow. I mean, he has so many jobs. I mean, yeah. so I want to get back to the art, though, because I think the windows was maybe your step towards something that's artistic. Sure. Although it quite wasn't it yet. I mean, that wasn't exactly. So, so tell us how you got back into finding this passion for art in your life and what, what you did with it. Because I love it because it, it, this goes back to his what his grandpa did originally. Yeah, so... Um... My father was a woodworker, too. That was probably his biggest artistic passion. And um, he liked to do wood carvings, uh, mm -hmm. more so signs, name signs and things of that nature. In fact, there's still some around town that he's done. Um, Warrenton uh, Fire Department, for an example. Well, that's neat. And the Hammond one, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I never had that much patience for wood carving. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like a end of the day tangible. Mm -hmm. I want to see something built. So... Mm -hmm. um, Along, as you were mentioning, um, when I went to work for DK Windows, you know, you can be creative with just about anything yeah. you do. So, mm -hmm. you know, we'd work in some older homes and things of that nature and, and uh, you know, you've got custom wood trim and, and things. So that kind of, I think, opened uh, my eyes to uh, maybe some more advanced woodworking. Mm -hmm. And then um, I started making cutting boards. And friend of mine said hey you could probably sell those for a lot for a lot I mean, they're, they're gorgeous <laughs> yeah. and so i came into astoria one afternoon with a stack of cutting boards and found an empty parking spot in front of pat's pantry and mm. thought hmm that might work mm. i walked into the shop and met with uh pat and tom and said hey would you guys be interested in selling these cutting boards and they said let's give it a try mm. well fast forward you know, six years, and now I own the shop. <laughs> I love this. And That's your daughter, you, I mean, Savannah works there. Savannah works at the shop. She uh, actually works more than me. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, she's fantastic, and she's, um, I couldn't do it without her. Yeah. And what's that's, that like? I mean, just knowing, it, it, because, and I guess I need to take a breath, but you, you do more than just cutting boards as well. So tell us a little bit more about some of the other things that you do with woodworking because sure, it I, is really fascinating. Yeah, I've done uh, a number of uh, larger pieces, uh, tables, dining tables, coffee tables. Um, I did a really beautiful conference table for the CMH Cancer Center. Um, I actually just met with Hampton Lumber uh, a couple days ago. I'm going to be doing a conference table for their Warrenton Lumber Mill, one for their Tillamook uh, mm -hmm. Mill. And another one for a, um, a yurt that they have yurt. out in the forest that they entertain their corporate executives with. So. so how long does it take to make like a giant conference table? That one will probably, it's, it's the largest project I've ever done. It's going to be about four feet wide and 20 feet long. So I'll have a couple weeks into each piece. Just a couple of weeks. That's incredible. Okay, so we want to make sure you give time. To talk yes. about talk about the business. Talk uh, about Pat's Pantry. Um, I've never been in there, so what is it all about? Uh, we've got uh, 70 different teas, mm -hmm. a couple hundred different spices. Um, we've got a great retail market. 
Uh, we're in with some restaurants and food trucks. We've got a fantastic online store. So if I've never been online before, how do I find you? PatsPantryAstoria.com. You got to put the Astoria on there? Is there another Pat's Pantry somewhere else? I don't know. There might be. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I'm now known as Pat. Oh, you, you are Pat. Oh, that's I am so Pat. Funny. <laughs> and that's okay. Yes. I, I bet Savannah gets it, though, too, sometimes, right? Probably, yeah. yes. So if somebody goes into the shop, will you, can, can you advise them on, like, hey, these are the things that I should buy? Absolutely, yeah. We've got uh, – I, I knew a little bit about cooking before, uh, before buying the business, and my daughter's a foodie, so we can certainly point you in the right direction. So give the address and the phone number and the hours really fast. So our address is 1153 Commercial Street. We're open seven days a week, uh, 11 to 4 typically, 11 to 5 on Sunday, and or excuse me, 11 to 5 on Saturday, and 11 to 3 on Sunday. And you're right next to Fulio's. Right next to Fulio's, so yep. you so can't easy, miss it. Easy walking distance. Well, thank you so much. We're so happy that you were able to join us um, and grateful that your family um, is part of this community. Yeah, we are too. Thank you. Excellent. Go make some history. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for joining us for An Adventure in History. An Adventure in History is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.